You're listening to The Way Home with Daniel Darling, a proud member of the Venom Audio Network. Well, hello and welcome to The Way Home podcast, everyone. I'm so glad you're joining me today. Uh, we are grateful for all of our listeners, and uh, I've heard quite a few uh, comments and, uh, and feedback on uh, some of our last few guests. Uh, keep those letters, emails coming. You can go to danieldarling.com and contact me through my contact page. I would love, if you enjoyed a particular podcast, to go and rate and review The Way Home on iTunes or Stitcher or Wherever you listen to podcasts, that just uh, helps others uh, know about what we're doing here. Today, we have a great guest lined up. Uh, Her name is Rebecca Lyons. She's been on the way home before, and I wanted to have her back. Uh, I love the ministry that Rebecca has uh, developed in the last several years, really talking about uh, rest, renewal, uh, and really how to find uh, good rhythms uh, in terms of our work life and our spiritual lives and, and all of those things. And she has a you know personal story about kind of moving uh, from New York to Nashville and kind of um, uh, a life that was very hectic and busy, which all of us have. And uh, sometimes that is good because God has given us work that is meaningful and important, whether it's with our families or with our vocations. Uh, but how do we... Uh, take time to care for um, ourselves in a way that acknowledges that we're, we're human, we're frail, we need um, good healthy rhythms of Sabbath rest and work. Rebecca has really written well on that and it's been a, a great, uh, I think, gift to the church uh, on these issues. But she has a new book out um, that is called Your Best Yes, uh, and it's talking about uh, some really important uh, things about saying yes to God, but also saying no to other things. Um, and I wanted to have her to come on and talk about this and many other things and to really think through, you know, how life has changed during this pandemic and how it's kind of forced a lot of folks to sort of refocus uh, their priorities. So let's join this conversation with Rebecca Lyons. Glad to have uh, my friend Rebecca Lyons back on the Way Home Podcast. Rebecca, thanks for joining me today. Oh, absolutely. Thanks for having me. So I wanted to have you on to talk about so many things because just I love uh, the work that you're doing on rhythms and rest and Sabbath and all that kind of stuff, career calling. So I want to talk about all that stuff, if, if that's okay. Yeah. Talk about whatever you prefer. <laughs> so I, I guess I want to kind of step back and just maybe maybe – you could share a little bit of kind of the journey that you've been going on the last few years, just talking about really thinking through your your uh, spiritual rhythms and kind of life rhythms and and what you do with your family. And um, God has really given you a, a a platform to to talk about that on a big scale. But how how people can really I don't want to say live in a balanced way, but live in a way that's really true to what their calling is and uh, sort of separate out some of the the clutter of life or the the things that uh, they're doing. I think one of the most profound things I hear you say a lot is just learning how to, um, say no to things in order to say yes to the right thing. So I, 
Was that that kind of a spiritual journey for you the last few years to get to that place? Yes. I mean, we all have the same amount of hours in a day. So it's really more about what does it look like to live this one life, at least on this side of eternity, well. And, you know, I can appreciate certain numbing out when we're not in the best, healthiest place, but that's not going to lead us or propel us towards overcoming those things, or it's not going to lead us to a life of growth and maturity, which when I think about scripture, you know, James one says, count it joy when you face trials because it matures you and makes you complete and lacking nothing. And so of course, we're not going to get to the fullness of lacking nothing because we're frail and desperate need of a savior, but we do want growth. We do, as we grow in life, we want growth. We want maturity. We want to have the tools and the resources to be well enough to help someone else. And so if we're not facing that adversity head on and we're not actually learning from it and growing from it and not numbing out or escaping, then um, we we begin to find tools and uh, resources that help us, that help us help other people. And in the end, I mean, Paul says in Galatians 6, we're free in Christ, but don't use this freedom for yourselves. Use it to serve one another in love. That's how freedom grows. So to me, if I'm serving somebody else, the freedom that I'm experiencing personally is also growing. Yeah. Um, you you, uh, you have this this new book, uh, Surrendered Yes, 52 Devotions to Let Go and Live Free, uh, which uh, we'll have links to in the show notes. Um, that's sort of been a, a theme for your ministry about, you, you talk a lot about finding freedom from the approval of others. Why is it so hard for us to, um, to do that? I mean, what, what, what drives us? Is it something about our culture? Is it something about our insecurities that make us feel like we have to live, live the approval of others? Yeah, I think it's just, we all want to be loved. And so we'll settle for approval. We'll settle for admiration. We'll sell, we'll settle for popularity, just whatever that gives us that, um, dopamine hit of, um, connection and belonging. Like we all want to be a part of something. We want to be seen and known and loved, um, ideally in the absence of shame. And if we didn't get that in our private relationships or our family of origin or our upbringing, we will actually just try to find it anywhere we can because we were wired for connection fundamentally like we are a communal people made by a communal God. So if we're not, if we didn't grow up with that kind of connection or that intimacy, that vulnerability, that safety, mm-hmm. then we will do whatever we can to find it because we can't live without it. So you and your family a few years ago moved across country, which is such a a big, a big shift in your life. And you talk a lot about that in your books, uh, but you also made a lot of lifestyle changes, you know, so maybe talk about how that, that kind of disruption in, in your life prompted some of uh, the things that you're talking about today. Yeah, I, I mean, I like the adventure. I'm a little bit of a thrill seeker. I like risk. Um, I like the idea of it. Let's say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then I get into it and I know that there's going to be obstacles, but I'm kind of like a all or nothing personality. Like let's, if we're doing this, let's do it and let's really do it because if we can't feel passionate about it, it's not worth doing. So I'm kind of, you know, a lot in that way. And I know it can probably be exhausting for people who are a little more steady, but that's just my personality is like all in let's do this. Well, the 
The problem with that is you can have the best ambitions to be all in and then you jump in and you're like, I'm drowning. I'm actually drowning. (laughs) I'm drowning and I don't know how to like find the surface. And I think what I've learned in those free fall moments, whether it's, you know, finding out at 26 that my son has a Down syndrome diagnosis six hours after he was born or a decade later moving to Manhattan with three kids in elementary school and leaving home and family and security and comfort and possessions and everything to then adopting Joy three years ago, a little girl with Down syndrome from China. I think I go all in in these like big leaps of faith, right? These big leaps of adventure and faith. And yet still with the best of intentions and with the right resources around me, I still can find myself drowning. It's partly because I'm saying a big yes to a big God, but then there's still, there's this survival instinct in me that wants to kind of do it myself. I I don't know. I don't know. Like in, and so what I have found in when I start to free fall and I start to grab onto the things that help me feel more stable or more secure, whatever those coping mechanisms of control are, I realized then that I'm not surrendered. And so this devotional that I just wrote, read the surrendered yes, is as much about the everyday yes that comes on the other side of the big yes, right? Mm-hmm. So we, we, we say yes to these trajectory shifting things that, sh- that change our lives uh, because we're, we're up for it, right? We really trust in a big God, but if we do, we still have to say yes on the other side of that. Like you don't change your mind, or live in regret from those big yeses. And I'm quoting my father-in-law the other day, talking about being married for 53 years. He Mm -hmm. goes, you make a decision and then you make it work. (laughs) And sometimes that could feel like you just motor through and out of principle and your heart doesn't connect with that or follow. But what I'm learning is that I don't want to make it work because I'm just driven to make something work. I want God to do the healing work so that I still am surrendering him to him every day in that, I call it a free fall, but in that free fall, if I'm surrendered to him, he becomes my strength. He becomes my source, my life, my light, my joy. Um, The joy of the Lord is our strength. So to me, it's all about how do we manage the free fall as a society? How are we managing the free fall? Are we like white knuckling, bracing ourselves for impact? Are we surrendering to a God who will catch us and lift us, tuck us in his wing and teach us how to fly? Mm -hmm. I love that. And especially in the last year and a half or so, everyone's sort of had to wrestle with that, with the living during a global pandemic and so much uh, disruption in the world from not just the pandemic, but, you know, uh, division in the country, uh, racial unrest, everything. And so it just seems like life for a lot of people is just sort of disrupted and chaotic. And so I'm, I'm imagining the things you're talking about have taken on a heightened interest in the last in the last uh, year and a half or so. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how many of us want to acknowledge it. You know, nobody really wants to surrender. It's not a popular phrase, right? Because it's letting go of control. And control is what we do to mask fear. And so trust me, as as a recovering control freak, I really recognize my need for control, uh, my perceived need for control, because control makes me feel more stable and secure. But it's still very self-reliant. And that's the difference. It's like, is my control so that I feel like I'm rescuing myself 
Or is there an acceptance? Is there a release? Is there a surrender? Is there a trust that God actually knows even more? He's more in tune with what I really desire. He's more in tune with what I really long for than I even am in all of my control, um, kind of setting up ground rules to get there. And so I do think COVID has been everyone's grasp for control, control for their politics, their voice, their, their belief system, their faith. And we're all grasping for control on who gets the microphone. And in the end, I've backed away from that because it's not an inviting space, quite frankly. It's, there's no vulnerability attached to control. <laughs> and I know that what everyone's longing for, including myself, is connection and being known and loved. And we're so busy yelling at each other that we're not even admitting that that's really the deepest place of pain that we're trying to avoid. Yeah, that's 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 such a good word. When when you talk about yes, like saying yes, surrendering yes, what do you, what are you talking about? You you're talking about obviously a big those of us who are Christians think about that big yes that um you know, walking down the aisle or committing our life to Christ at camp or something like that where we're like we're in this. But you're you're actually talking about the kind of daily the daily yes, the daily surrendering to God. And that, you know, that that's hard to do. I mean, I think for me, you know, you have things planned out in your in your day, in your week, in your next few months or next few years in your head, but then all these things come that sort of disrupt that and change that. And so what advice are you giving to people who, who kind of face those things? Yeah, I do think the daily yes is harder than the big yes. I mean, some people would argue otherwise. Uh, I I do think if we're not doing a daily yes, we can't get to a big yes. So they go, they dovetail. If, if we're not like finding victory in the everyday, mm-hmm. and when I say victory, victory still doesn't come from us achieving it for ourselves. It's the surrender to a God who already holds all things together. So do we trust that that's true or not? Or do we feel like we have to hold things together? And some personalities are more uh, prone to just trust, like blind trust. Some personalities are more driven to control and um, kind of control the environment and hustle. And usually those personalities have been through some level of survival, uh, like need for survival skills in life, just because of their upbringing or their their background. But regardless, um, the surrender daily is the key. I mean, it's just the key. That's why my life's work really, honestly, in the last decade, coming out of panic disorder, depression, anxiety from that season in New York, I call it a recovery journey, right? It's it's a healing journey. It's You don't arrive just because you've believed something one day and you had a great day. It's the journey and the practice of living in a healthy rhythm of embodiment that requires trust in God, that requires um, being known, that requires like real, real concerted efforts of practicing vulnerability with your community and and then being honest with your shortcomings and and confess confession and apology and forgiveness and moving your body and filling your mind with what's true and lovely and a good report. Like it, it's diligence. All of this is diligence. Like the, the recovery journey that people say requires work. Um, but it's not like a work that burdens you. It's actually a work that when you start to practice these things, you find ease. 
and you find grace and you find peace because you realize all the things that we're calling work are, are really just these practices of handing things over to God. It's a release. Hello, friends. I just want to tell you about a really new partnership uh, that we have developed with an amazing company called Canopy. Now, I don't know about you, but as a parent, I find it increasingly difficult to monitor my children's internet consumption with all the devices and computers. And how do you balance safety on the internet in terms of objectionable content, pornography, and things that we don't want them to see with speed and use of the internet for things that they need, like their homework, getting a hold of them. My oldest one is driving and I want to be able to her to have a way to get a hold of me. How do you do that? Well, sometimes it feels like you have to prioritize either speed and accuracy and accessibility or safety. Well, my friends at Canopy have developed this really neat tool that they beta tested in Israel. And it's so good, they brought it over to the United States. And it uses this proprietary technology uh, using artificial intelligence to block objectionable images, but not always necessarily websites. And so how this works is that even on your, their phones, if someone texts them something objectionable or they're going to a website that they need to go to, but there's objectionable images, it doesn't block the website, but it'll block the, the images from coming through. And it works uh, in multiple apps that are on their phone in ways that a lot of other filters don't. It's a great, great tool. And if you are a Way Home listener, you can go to canopy.us slash wayhome. That's canopy.us slash wayhome, C-A-N-O-P-Y dot U-S slash wayhome. And you can get a special discount. Your first 30 days free and 20% off of Canopy for life. So you want to do that. Go to canopy.us slash wayhome and check this out. It's a great tool that I know you will use and, and be thankful for as a parent. There's such a tension here, right? Because there's a part of us that really wants to go full throttle into our calling or into what God has us to do, uh, to sort of be working all the time and never resting, to, especially if you're doing something in, in the area of your gifting, right? Yeah. So if you enjoy writing or speaking or if you're – whatever you're – if you're a craftsman or a salesperson, whatever it is, if you're in the area that you really enjoy doing and you're good at, it's it's hard to turn that off. And to to build kind of good rhythms and rest. What advice do you give for people who are highly ambitious or just really enjoy the work that they do? Yeah. I mean, not to burst your bubble, but if you love the work you do, but you're unable to turn it off, there's an idol attached mm. to it. I've been there. There's a need. There's an unmet need behind that desire that can only be found in God. And you are trying to find that in work or fame or achievement or success or money or whatever it is, like pick your poison, right? And I can only speak this candidly because I've done it. I've been there. Um, I know it. I know it's true. It doesn't matter. It's like sometimes I think ministry is just a prettier version of striving, but it's still us deciding that our worth is attached to this thing that we've created, which is idolatry. It's like the idolatry of ministry is real. And it, it that's a thing that's so crazy, honestly, is that the enemy will take something very good, something very good and God breathed and anointed and distort it enough to become idolatry. And an idol promises everything and delivers nothing. 
and eventually it will cost you your, your children. <laughs> That's how it was worded to me a few years ago. And I was like, it'll cost you your children. It'll cost you your family. And man, that got my attention. So the other thing about not to sound, I feel like I'm sounding like I'm just, this is kind of like life lessons from a big sister, but mm. I feel like I can say that because I'm in my mid plus forties and I have a 20 year old, but I, I think the beauty and the, like I have been in that lane of running so hard and fast and such delight, but there was a difference in running in it, um, being carried by God, like in his tailwind, right? Like where he's just opening every door and I'm just kind of like, wow, like there's like, I can't believe this. I'm not making things happen. He is just like going before me and he's bringing people around. So there's been that season, which I believe is a grace um, but then somewhere along the way, maybe things aren't happening as naturally or there becomes a disruption in the momentum or we're having to now kind of hustle a little bit more or strive a little bit more to try to maintain what we used to have in that season of quote unquote favor. And that's when the idol steps in. It's saying, if you keep doing these things, you can be like God. You can still accomplish the success and favor that you used to have on your own terms through your own strategies and through your own strength. And that's a lie. It's all a lie because what that does that season begins a period of burnout. That's when burnout begins. And in the end, if you experience true physical symptoms of burnout, you will lose your passion. You will lose the desire for the thing that used to ignite you, the God breathed anointing that was put upon you. And, um, that that's a big deal. That's a very big deal. And so I think when you get to that point, if you might go, I don't know where I am in the continuum, I'm still in the ease and the grace and it's all effortless. Or you're like, it used to be effortless, but then COVID hit. Now it's really hard. I feel like I'm trying to hustle all the time and make things happen. I would just say in that place, in that period of time where a lot of people sit, you're not alone in that. A lot of people sit there right now. I would release back to God and go, God, what of this is yours that you want me to keep? And what of this did I create? And you never asked me to. You'll find that if you're willing to lay down the things that just feel hard, like they just never seem to work, um, God will actually breathe wind again in the things that feel true. And the things that feel true are the things that connect you most to his heart that bring out your tenderness, that bring out your vulnerability, that bring out your honesty before the Lord and your intimacy. That's what he's after. He's jealous for your heart. And when you go back to those basic things, those are the things that be catalyze the calling in the first place. Those are the deepest wellspring moments that God says, I want to use this. Go back to those things and you'll recover your life. Mm. Man, that's such a good word. I'm just sitting there listening like, okay, taking notes and trying to think through that for, for my own life. Um, you know, just such an important thing. You and your husband kind of teach this to couples too. I know that you guys do retreats where you encourage couples to to develop good rhythms. Why is this so important for family life? We talked about our we talked a lot about sort of personally being yeah. in a good, healthy place with with the way that we uh, approach our work and our calling and our rhythms, but Really, it's important for a family to have that as well, right? Absolutely. I mean, if you're not healthy, you um, you impact the family, right? Um, mm -hmm. Whatever your need is, your striving, your insecurity, 
we project that onto our kids. We project that onto our spouses. So, I mean, the best gift that you can give your family is personal counseling. (laughs) Um, Just making sure that you're not hiding any areas of your, your life to God, to your spouse. And then as you live in a way that is known and loved, then you are less trying to get your kids to be a reflection of you. And you're not trying to project your your wounding or your insecurities or your anxieties onto your kids. I mean, honestly, that's what's happening. I've done it. I, I, I see it all around me is that we're creating a, a generation behind us of anxious and depressed kids, partly because as parents, we're not like plunging the depths of our own healing and maturity sooner in life than later in life. Everyone has family of origin stuff. Let's just be honest. None of we're all imperfect people, but the the key is who's aware of it, who's actually aware of it, aware to, aware of it, and awake to it, and willing to do the work for healing. That's really good. I want to encourage folks to get get this book and get uh, all of uh, Rebecca's books. Uh, her latest one is called The Surrendered Yes. 52 Devotions to Let Go and Live Free, but also check out her other books, Rhythms of Renewal and uh, You Are Free, Free Fall to Fly. Uh, really, really great stuff. And I think kind of a unique space that you are in, Rebecca, where uh, that you're talking about this uh, about these things. I know other people sort of talk about parts of this, but I, I really feel like your voice in terms of really encouraging Christians to live in this way is really unique. And so uh, do, do you feel like this is something God is preparing you your whole life uh, to be speaking about? I mean, no. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> he did. If he was, obviously, it says in Psalm 139 that all my days were written and planned mm-hmm. before one of them began. So clearly he was. I had no idea. I definitely did not. I was not aware of it. I was not awake to it. I never thought I would be a writer or a teacher. In fact, I said I wouldn't ever be a teacher (laughs) because my parents were school teachers. And I was like, I don't want to do that. (laughs) But then one day somebody coming off stage said, you're a really gifted teacher. And I'm like, I'm not a teacher. I'm a speaker. They're like, no, you're, you're actually a teacher. And I'm like, oh, okay. I guess that's God's sense of humor because, you know, I think we don't, I love that though. I love that I was kind of unbeknownst to me. God was writing a story through pain, through, through joy, through trial, through overcoming that he was writing a story. He did make me a chronic oversharer. So the beauty of when you are a very vulnerable, honest, raw person, he gives you a story you can't shut up about. And that's really truly was my first book was just this kind of verbal vomit of a crash and burn moment. And then the rescue of God entering in. And from that place that began what I didn't know then again, I would never sign more than one book deal. My friends were like, you should do more. I'm like, no, I don't know if I'm going to do this again. I don't know if I'm supposed to do this again. I don't know that I want to commit to something that I'm not ready for. Um, I feel like that's kind of been my professional life. I don't really know what's coming in the next year beyond like a contracted speaking engagement. Um, and then eventually we would do another book. And then I would sign with another book. But like, I'm just on the remedial plan. I definitely don't feel like I get notches in my belt by the amount of books I put out. Or Mm. like, to me, 
and here, this goes back to the purest in me. If it isn't real and it isn't lived and if it isn't fully embodied, the authenticity of my life demands that it be real or it's not worth doing. I would rather just walk away. And I'm, and I'm not saying other people aren't real. I, I would never be one to judge the heart at all. I don't know what makes my voice different. Like you said, your voice is different. I don't really know what you mean exactly by that. I'm not aware of, I don't have that kind of perspective on myself because I don't know how other people read that. But I do know that I'm just not willing to do it if it's not, if I'm not gonna willing to be honest. And um, maybe that's what gives it a little distinction. I don't know. That's a good, that's a good word. Well, I, I do think you're a gift to the body of Christ and thankful for your work and your uh, ministry. And I want to encourage folks uh, to go and check out uh, your books. We'll have links in our show notes. Rebecca Lyons, thank you for joining me today on the, on the Way Home thank Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Way Home Podcast with Daniel Darling. For more information, you can visit danieldarling.com. If you do like this podcast, we encourage you to subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast catcher. We also encourage you to rate and review so others can know about the podcast. You can follow me at, at @dandarling on Twitter or go to my Facebook page, facebook.com slash danielmdarling. I also want to encourage you again to check out my latest book, Away With Words, and you can visit awaywithwordsbook.com. Thank you for listening again to The Way Home Podcast. podcast is part of the Edify Podcast Network. Edify is a faith-inspiring app that brings together thousands of the best Christian podcasts in one place for your listening enjoyment. Cut through the noise and grow your faith by diving into the world's top Christian podcasts today. Download the Edify app for free from the App Store or Google Play or by going to edify.app. That's E-D-I-F-I dot app.